Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. From the very beginning of book eight of his Institutes, John Cassian is going to be stressing that it's not enough just to resist anger or reduce anger. It needs to be rooted out entirely, at least for monks or other religious, and perhaps even for everybody as a whole, given the bad effects that anger is going to have. And so he begins this book by saying that the deadly poison of anger, and notice that deadly poison, mortiferum virus, right? Virus originally means poison. We tend to associate it with these microorganisms that infect us. And I think that that's actually quite a rich, suggestive translation. Anger is not merely a poison that we retain within, but something that we become infected with and perhaps transmit to others. So the deadly poison of anger needs to be rooted out, eruendum. It needs to be pulled out by its very roots. It needs to be extirpated is another way of translating it. From where? From our entire soul, from the innermost recesses of our soul, or to use another term that comes up a lot here, our heart. So this is a completely zero tolerance view on anger. And why? Well, because it has so many deleterious effects. And I'm just going to read through these and we can think about how many of these there are. He says, so long as anger remains in our hearts and it blinds with hurtful darkness, the eye of the soul, we can neither acquire right judgment and discretion nor gain the insight which springs from an honest gaze, the ripeness of counsel. Okay, so what do we have going on there? Anger has what we could call epistemological effects. It makes us unable to use our own higher mental faculties ourselves or even to benefit from the advice and counsel being provided by other people. So that's one main set of effects. Then he goes on and he says, nor can we be partakers of life or retentive of righteousness. We can't remain just. We can't do what we ought to do or even have the capacity for spiritual and true light. Nor can we become partakers of wisdom, even though we're considered wise by universal consent. There are people in the world who everybody says, oh, they're so wise. But anger rests, as he brings up, in the bosom of fools. Then he goes on and says, nor can we even attain immortal life, even though we're accounted prudent in the opinion of everybody. Why? Because another person proverb, anger destroys even the prudent. So again, epistemological effects, nor shall we be able with clear judgment of heart to secure the controlling power of righteousness, even though people consider us to be perfect and holy for, and he brings up another one, the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. So what have we seen emphasized here? On the one hand, problems on the cognitive side, we can't see things correctly. On the other part, problems with justice, righteousness, fairness, we are going to tend to do the wrong thing and to think that we're doing the right thing in the process. He goes on and he says, nor can we secure 
any ripeness of counsel, even though we appear to be weighty and endowed with the utmost knowledge. Why? Because an angry man acts without counsel, nor can we be free from dangerous disturbances, nor without sin, even though no sort of disturbances be brought upon us by others. Why? One last scriptural quote, a passionate man engenders quarrels, an angry man digs up sins. And so this is really quite interesting, isn't it? All these different effects coming from giving in to anger. So if that's really the case, then it would make sense, as Cassian saying, that we, we need to tear up anger from the roots. And so he's supplying us with a whole bunch of reasons here. A little bit later in the text, he tells us that a monk aiming at perfection, striving after perfection, tenderly, like reaching their hand out for, you know, being without blemish and desiring to strive lawfully in spiritual combat, fighting, should be free of all sin of anger and wrath. And we see repeated here this constant conjunction, anger, ira, wrath, furor, that John Cassian uses over and over again, probably following from the Greek orge, anger, thumos, which can be translated as the faculty of anger, anger itself, wrath. And so he's constantly pairing these together. The monk needs to free themselves from that. And so he cites this biblical text, let all anger be taken away, along with wrath and clamor, evil speaking, right? And so he says, here's how we should interpret this. When he says, and this is Paul to the Ephesians, let all anger be taken away from you. He's not making exceptions. He's not saying, let all anger be taken away from you, except when anger is necessary or anger is useful. In that case, don't take that anger away because obviously it's serving some sort of purpose. Cassian says that's too easy a mistake to make. People will create excuses, find reasons why in this case they can make an exception. And Cassian says, no, 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 you cannot do that. You have to take away all of the anger. And he says, if need be, you should at once treat an erring brother in such a way. While he manages to apply a remedy to one afflicted, he may not by his wrath involve himself in a more dangerous malady. So the healer of others, as he's going to say, has to be healthy himself and free of afflictions of weakness. Anger is a weakness, according to Cassian and according to the scriptural texts that he's bringing up, both from Paul and from the wisdom literature, right, which has a lot to say about anger. So he's bringing together kind of a coherent perspective on this. There is one exception that we should point out. So Cassian, in a few later chapters, will say it could be useful to get angry in one kind of situation. When we are getting angry at our own vices, sins, faults, right? The things that are screwing us up, the things that are actually removing us from the path of perfection. So this is not getting angry at other people. We can't even say, ooh, they're making me angry. Therefore, I have to you know, go off in the desert. He talks about that as well. He says, if you're going to get angry at all, Get angry at your own vices, the vices that are being described here in this treatise, which is largely about the eight capital vices, the vices that lead to other vices, and get angry at the very anger that you feel. 
It's kind of a reflexive meta anger, you could call it. And so that is the only exception that he's making there. Getting angry at other people or with inanimate things, always a bad thing. Getting angry with the parts of ourselves that are damaged and leading us astray, that could be okay. Of course, you don't want to go too far even with that. He brings up, interestingly, the old law, meaning the Jewish scriptures prior to Christianity. And he says, you know, a lot of people will sometimes portray it as like, we've got the new law, the gospel, which is so nice. This Jesus guy is coming along and, you know, not preaching a, a God of vengeance. And then we've got the old law, which tends to be, you know, harsher and, and, you know, meaner. And Cassian's rejecting that. He's saying, why should we spend any more time over evangelic, meaning from the gospels, and apostolic precepts? So why should we just focus on those when we can look at the old law itself, which is is thought to be somewhat slack, it guards against the same thing. When it says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. And again, be not mindful of the injury of your citizens. And again, the ways of those who preserve the recollection of wrongs are towards death. So he says, you see there too that wickedness is restrained not only in action, but also in the secret thoughts. It's commanded that hatred be utterly rooted out from the heart and not merely retaliation, but the very recollection of a harm done. Now, hatred and anger, not exactly the same thing, but closely connected, aren't they? So Cassian is saying there's a continuity here in the religious teachings between what we find in the Hebrew scriptures and what we find in the later Christian scriptures. Coming back to the gospel where in you know Matthew for example we have these injunctions against anger. He's going to say that what's going on in the gospels is that we are not just supposed to control anger you could say in words or deeds. He says, if we want to gain the substance of that divine reward, we have to root out anger from our innermost soul. It will not be of any good to have checked anger in words and not to have shown it in deeds. If God from whom the secrets of the heart are not hid sees that it remains in the secret recesses of our bosom. The word of the gospel bids us destroy the roots of our faults rather than the fruits, because when the incitements are removed, then these roots will not put forth shoots anymore, and the mind will be able to continue in patience and holiness. So in order to do this, we have to go within. We have to look at why we get angry about stuff and we have to start to apply some remedies. And he goes on and he says, we have to cut off anger and hatred. And this is what is actually being commanded in the gospels. Why? Because these lead to murder and violence. And so, you know, the old law said, thou shall not murder. Well, you're not supposed to get angry and hate your brother whoever else, in your heart, because that's what leads to it. And then there's one interesting discussion here in the next chapter. So there were a number of different manuscripts circulating around of all these early Christian texts that eventually got bound into what's called the New Testament. And some of the manuscripts had an extra word in there, a Greek word, Echos. So whoever gets angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. Now, some of the manuscripts said whoever gets angry with his brother without cause, Echos, 
will be liable to the judgment. So some Christian authors, including, you know, for example, later on, Augustine and Chrysostom will say, all right, what does this mean to get angry with cause, without cause? John Cassian is saying, it doesn't matter. There's no echos. There's no reason you should be angry at your brother. As a matter of fact, don't pay attention to those manuscripts. And he makes a claim here that we find, you know, the right version written in many modern copies and all of the ancient ones. So we should put aside that as a temptation. And he finishes the treatise or he finishes that chapter of the treatise, rather, by talking about remedies, how to deal with this disease. So he says, one of the things we can do is make up our mind. We should never be angry at all, whether for good or bad reasons, as we know we're going to lose all these things, the light of discernment, good counsel. So does this mean never, ever get angry or hide your anger? No, because pushing your anger within, as he talks about in other chapters, just leads to passive-aggressive behavior. It doesn't deal with it. doesn't root it out. We should make up our mind that it's not a good thing for us ever to get angry. That means that we're forming a way of working at things that we can work towards. Another very interesting thing that he tells us, don't pray when you're angry. Now, a lot of people would probably say, well, that's exactly when you need to be calling on God's help. Cassian is looking at that other thing from the Gospels, that if your brother has anything against you and you bring your gift to the altar, leave your gift there, go be reconciled with your brother, then come back and make your gift. And he says praying is a sacrifice. Praying is a giving a gift at the altar. So until you get over your anger, don't pray. Just focus on getting over your anger. And he tells us that we should also keep our end in mind, what he calls the uncertain condition of humankind. We should realize daily we're soon to depart from the body and all our continence and chastity, our renunciation our, of our possessions, our contempt of wealth, our efforts and fastings and vigils, all this kind of stuff that monks do and maybe other people do, will not help us at all if solely on account of anger and hatred Eternal punishments are awarded by the judge of the world. So anger is a serious problem. And if we don't get rid of it, all this other stuff that we do might be for nothing. So very strong arguments and considerations given here on the part of John Cassian for why it is that we should root anger entirely out of our hearts, souls, or minds. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.